Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I D O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. I do podcast episode 39. Welcome to IDoPodcast.com, where fun and inspiring relationship experts, therapists, and couples share tips and advice that will help lead you to a fulfilling and happy relationship. Let their guidance illuminate your path to happiness. Are you ready to create lasting love? And now, your hosts, Chase and Sarah. Do you have a topic that you'd like to hear more about or a relationship question you'd like answered? 
Email us at info at idopodcast.com and we'll be sure to add it to one of our upcoming episodes. We're excited to introduce our guest today, Mark Zola. Hey, Mark. Hey, how are you? We're doing great. How are you today? I'm doing really well, thanks. Awesome. Mark Zola is a licensed marriage and family therapist and a licensed professional counselor. The founder of Eugene Therapy, Mark specializes in treating anxiety, depression, and relationship issues. He has a knack for identifying problematic patterns of thought and behavior that tend to keep clients stuck and considers himself a directive therapist who readily provides honest feedback to clients. We've given our listeners just a little overview, so take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Yeah, sure. Thank, first of all, Sarah and Chase, thanks so much for having me. This is, uh, is going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I'm a couples and family therapist, and uh, about four years ago, I started Eugene Therapy, which is Eugene, Oregon's largest family therapy group practice. We've treated about 4,000 families here in, in my area with uh, everything from anxiety to depression, relationship issues like infidelity, communication issues. And I'm also an adjunct instructor at the University of Oregon's Couples and Family Therapy Program. Um, and I think what I like most about this work is just um, getting the opportunity to become part of these couple and family systems. You know, you're, you're, uh, I really feel, feel honored and privileged to, for a brief time, uh, become part of the system to get permission to uh, identify problematic patterns in the relationship and to be able to comment on them. It's really a, 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 rare, a rare situation where you're able to say what you see. And um, I, I, think, I think the work is, uh, is really enjoyable for me because, because of that opportunity, and I think it works well because um, people take an emotional risk of granting permission to the stranger mm-hmm. of uh, being able to say, say uh, what he sees. Uh, it's great to be able to touch people, families, and relationships and, and improve their lives. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, as I said, it's really uh, it's a privilege to do the work, and um, uh, it, it's uh, you know people get help. You see them get better, and it's also it can be a lot of fun too. Yeah, well, we try to have fun here on I Do Podcast, and I think our topic today is going to help a lot of our listeners because I think a lot of them, if if you're in a relationship, you've gone through our topic of fights and we're going to talk about how to tame a fight and handle it so that it doesn't become a burden on your relationship. Sure, sure. In the article you wrote, there's different points that you get to help tame the fight. And Mm -hmm. one of the first tips that you give in the article is to allow each other to take a break. Yeah, really, really important. You know, um, uh, Nothing is at a certain point, you know, at a certain point of an argument, nothing's going to get resolved. And uh, it's okay to walk away. Uh, it, it doesn't mean you're walking away from the relationship. It means you're walking away from this current distress in the relationship, which is a good thing. So in many ways, uh, just taking a break and walking away uh, can, can, can be a really powerful way of saying, I value this relationship so much that I'm no longer going to be a part of uh, of this crisis, and let's take a little bit of a break, 
And um, ideally, the the person who's going to take the take the time out or take the break, if that person can say to the other person, "Hey, I really need to take a break. Let's come back in uh, 60 minutes, or let's come back tomorrow at 8 p.m." If you can give a specific time, uh, it's it can be really helpful to the other partner who might have a little bit of a fear that, "Hey, my my partner's leaving me." Um, and so being specific about uh, when you're going to come back can be helpful. That's a great example. And another point that you talk about is that when you're angry and in the heat of the moment, it's easy to let emotions get the better of you. I know I've been there and and I'm sure our listeners have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we've all been there. Um, no, nobody's perfect. And we are, uh, we, we all have, uh, emotions that, uh, that, that drive us. And sometimes they come out in unexpected ways. You know, I think if you, I use this, um, this metaphor, think about if you've got a, if you're holding a beach ball and, um, your, uh, the beach ball represents a concern you have or, uh, something you're angry about. Imagine if you push that beach ball underneath the water, there's only, there's only so much time you can hold it there. At some point it's going to pop up. <laughs> and sometimes in these arguments, it, it, it pops up in, in this, uh, you know, uh, in, in some sort of emotionally explosive way, and, and you might say something you don't mean. And in the heat of the moment, things can be said. I, I, I think, you know, all bets are off if it comes to something like um, uh, physical violence or ongoing emotional abuse. Uh, but, you know, we, we all have uh, nasty argumentative habits, and uh, we need to forgive, and we need to be forgiving about those things. Again, as long as it doesn't rise to the level of abuse. Yeah, I think that's important to note for our listeners is that you know there's one there's fighting and then there's there's abusive behavior and and there is a difference. Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Another thing you talk about in in a fight is to be fair in love and war. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think. Uh, too often in arguments, we we get in a really hurt position, and so we start uh, we start blaming our partners. And the the best thing we can do when we when we get upset is uh, I know it sounds simple, but it's it, it could be really helpful is to simply is to use I statements. I feel hurt. I feel angry. I'm upset that this happened. Rather than saying you you you. Because if you if you lead with blame and if you lead with why are you, it's you increase the chances that it's going to put the other person, uh, you know, uh, back on their feet, uh, and they're gonna they're gonna feel they need to defend uh, defend against the barbs, and so uh, really to the extent that you as a as a partner to the extent that you can talk about your own experience. Uh, it increases the chances that you will ultimately get from your partner what you need, which is uh, empathy and understanding. And so being, being fair, I, I think, really means, um, first of all, knowing when to you know, apologize for things that are said that maybe uh, shouldn't have been said, um, but also taking responsibility for your own feelings, talking about your feelings rather than uh, what the other person, uh, quote-unquote, has done to you. Again, with uh, uh, abuse and violence, all bets being off at that point. Well, I really love that little quick 
uh, what you said, I do I statements. I think that's really something easy and that our listeners can use and take home uh, to really improve when they're when they're in a fight. Yeah, I mean, saying things like you know, uh, even apologizing with I statements. I'm sorry I started to yell. Can we try that again? Um, I will do a better job to not raise my voice. Things like that. Do you have any advice for the person who maybe wants to start with that I statement, but they're just so frustrated and maybe the other person in the relationship is at wrong in the argument and maybe they're feeling stubborn, but they don't feel that it's the right thing for them to just come out and say, you know, I'm sorry. They really just want to say, I'm sorry, but you should be sorry. Yeah, I think you can do that. I I, I think that can also be done with an I statement as well. I think you could say, Something like, you know, I, I feel really hurt. It doesn't seem like we're both taking our fair share of responsibility on this. And, and uh, it's resulting in me feeling hurt. And you just kind of put it out there and see how, see how your partner responds. I think all those things can be done without, without accusations. I think sometimes in relationships, this happens all the time, not just in couples relationships. I think sometimes as humans... When we, when we get emotionally injured, our response is to make ourselves as big as we possibly can. Uh, and, and often we don't, we don't need to get that loud or we don't need to get that uh, intense in order to get the, the attention um, that, we, uh, that we need in that moment. Yeah, there's, there's nothing more dangerous than a wounded animal. And I think it's kind of a, an analogy that you talked about the emotions being hurt and so we're very defensive and we can get combative and loud and and uh, outside of our emotions yeah I, I i think that's i think that's exactly right um you know if you think about uh think about if you're at a restaurant and you're getting poor service and you want to get better service sometimes what happens is we get really upset we feel indignant and we yell at the waiter. And uh, it's probably not the best way to, to get what you need. You could probably bring it down a few notches and, and get a, a much better outcome. And I think the same thing is, is true um, with, our, uh, with our love relationships. So while you're in a fight with your partner and you're going through the, the arguments, another good point to really do is to kind of step back and maybe stand in their shoes and look at it from their point of view. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, uh, reminding yourself that you, you don't have to you don't have to agree with the specific content of what the other person is saying. But I think if you're if you're in a long-term relationship, I think you do have to make a commitment to acknowledging the other person's emotional state, which really is just another way of saying you need to make a commitment to being empathetic. Now, being empathetic and validating the other person's emotions doesn't mean you necessarily need to agree with that person. And I think we often confuse the two. And so the idea of standing in their shoes is, is, is really trying to understand where is that person coming from? What are they feeling? What are they experiencing? Doesn't necessarily mean you have to agree with them, but you do have to understand where they're coming from in order to, uh, to, to make the, the, have the best chance at, uh, at connecting. You know, another simple way of illustrating this is, um, uh, Sarah, what's your, what's your favorite flavor ice cream? chocolate 
<laughs> Chase, Chase, what's yours? It, can I pick the same thing? <laughs> you or, could, but it won't illustrate my okay, issue. Okay, <laughs> that, that's what I figured. Um, I just had red velvet, so I'm going to have to Perfect. say red velvet. Okay, well, you both love chocolate, so you're made for each other. But aside from that, so, so think about this. I mean, the, the fact that one person might like chocolate and the other likes red velvet, you know, th- those are just preferences. And the idea that one person can convince the other person that their, flavor, that their favorite flavor of ice cream is the best flavor of ice cream is absurd. You know, you can't, you can't convince the other person of that, and, and it's absurd to try. Uh, and I think so many times in relationships we try to do that. We try to get the other person to, uh, to see that chocolate's best or red velvet is best. When I think what we should be doing is saying, oh, you like chocolate. Tell me what is it about it that you like? Or do you like red velvet? What, what is it about it that you like? And, and these are experiences and opportunities to connect with our partners and, and understand um, uh, where they're coming from and, and, uh, and what drives them. I love the analogies, and, and I think that's a such a great point that you don't have to necessarily agree, but I think it comes down to we all want to feel like we're understood and that we're being heard, and by the other partner acknowledging that, it, it's going to help you move forward. Yep, that's exactly right. And kind of this goes along the same lines of acknowledging your partner is remembering that you're on the same team. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 that's that's exactly right. You know, this is your best friend, your confidant, and um, you know, this is not uh, someone that you need to uh, go to war with. This is someone who's on your team, and sometimes you have disagreements with team members, and that's okay. Uh, ultimately, there needs to be a commitment that, um, despite our disagreements, we're gonna we're gonna go go forward together. And so again. Uh, uh, not to be glib about it, but I think in, in some way, almost every argument can be boiled down to that ice cream example. Uh, it's okay for people to have different opinions. It's okay for people to have different preferences. Um, otherwise, we'd all just marry ourselves, and that wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, that, that would be kind of lonely. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, I, 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 think, um, it's a, I think it's important to to honor these differences and um, embrace them. You know, we, we, are, all our, we are all individuals, uh, but those of us in relationships are also part of a, uh, part of a couple. And uh, you don't always agree, and that's, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, and that's a great point. And, and I think that that's part of the process of, of growing in a relationship is when you disagree – it, growing when I mean growing internally, you know, self um, self growth, where you disagree with your partner, and but then you try to learn their side of it, and you're gaining a new a new perspective on life and and new ideas that I think is why relationships can be so valuable. Yeah, yeah, I I, I completely agree. Well, I also want to point out in the article, you one of your last lines was that learning how to deal with these tips and learning how to put them into your relationship can really help with your communication and understanding your partner. And it can really help with the argument style that you two have. And so do you have any other points that you'd like to add on to that for our listeners? Well, I think that... Uh, Part, you know, uh, the the job that each partner has is to understand their uh, understand his or her partner, 
And understanding your partner means uh, knowing uh, who they are, what drives them, what they're interested in, uh, what they like and dislike. And one of those things is what is their argument style? Uh, and, a, and kind of a deeper way of looking at, uh, at argument style is what are the ways in which my partner seeks emotional safety? I think this is a really important uh, piece for couples to understand. And there are two general ways in which couples seek emotional safety. Uh, one, one of them is to, uh, to pursue the issue, to really talk it through, uh, to dot all the I's and cross all the T's. And then the second way is with healthy distance. And that might mean taking some time, um, getting a, a safe place to, to process issues, and then coming back and having a discussion. I think too often those two different types of, of uh, styles, uh, people with those styles, they misinterpret the other's intentions and think the person who is pursuing thinks the person who is kind of more distancing uh, is, is abandoning them. And the person who tends to get emotional safety by getting some distance sees the person who, who is more of a pursuer as, uh, as attacking or badgering them. And that's not always the case. Uh, it's just that we have different ways of seeking safety. And I think to the extent that you can understand that in your partner, you'll, you'll get a lot of mileage out of that. Well, great. Well, thank you for that advice. Very relatable for us and our listeners. So yeah. um, great. Well, thank you. What do you find is the most common reason that couples will struggle in their relationship? Well, I, th- I think there's, there's a number of things. I, I'd say, I, I would say the main thing is, is cross signals between what was said and what was communicated. And by this, I mean that um, humans, are, humans are very unique in that we can communicate two streams of data uh, at the same time. For instance, um, if, you, if, a, if you try to take a, a, a bone from a dog, a dog is going to do one of two things. Dog's either going to growl at you saying, don't take my bone, or a dog's going to be passive and say, go ahead and take it. Uh, the dog's not going to be passive-aggressive. The dog's not going to give you mixed signals. You know exactly what you're getting. I think the difference with humans and, and uh, uh, the uh, one unfortunate aspect of our intellect is that we, we have these two competing streams of, uh, of data. So, for instance, uh, I could say to someone, hey, will you take out the garbage? Or I could say to someone, uh, you're going to take out the garbage? And, you know, that second one could be uh, interpreted completely different than the first one. And uh, I could have meant the exact same thing both times. So there's, there's the data of what the person is saying, and then there's the way the person says it. And what often happens is the, uh, the person who's listening will interpret the uh, the way the person says something without commenting about it. Okay, so I might say it in the second way, and let's say it's let's say I'm saying it in a slightly sarcastic way, but I'm not specifying that. If the other person doesn't comment on that, then the other person's just kind of internalizing that, guessing, oh gee, maybe you know maybe uh, Mark's in a bad mood or something like that. What's going on here? Those are the kinds of things that I think should be brought to the surface. And so if the person who's, who's hearing that comment says, hey, I, I heard you say, um, I heard uh, you asked me to, to take out the garbage. 
Um, but I don't know, maybe I, I kind of heard something in your tone making me think you're, you're upset or you're angry about something. Did I get that right? Now, just that little piece then gives the speaker the opportunity to check in and connect and verify or clarify what uh, he or she was saying in the first place. And, and I think that's the mistake that happens so often is that we, uh, we miss the opportunity to uh, uh, prevent these problems by not talking about talking. The fancy word for it is called metacommunicating. But basically the idea to talk about what we're talking about uh, is, is the, I think, the most important thing uh, a couple can do. Yeah, it's so true that in communication, there's always, it's not one-dimensional, and there's underlying tones and and how you're communicating with both verbally, non-verbally, tonally, and uh, you hit it right on the head with addressing that and, and communicating on those things to be as clear as possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, it's... Uh... It, it doesn't take too much to do this. Uh, it, takes, uh, it takes listening, and it takes checking your own emotions so that if you do hear something in the tone that you don't like, rather than just reacting to it, uh, comment on it in a meaningful way so you can check in because you know nothing's worse than wasting energy on something that the other person didn't even mean to do. Well, now we are going into the his and her round where Sarah and I each ask a question that's on our minds. Okay, great. My question is, when you're in an argument and you get to a, a point where one of the one of the partners is is not able to proceed, that they, they want to step away and, like we talked about, and, and allow some time and, and communicate a in, in sixty minutes in an hour. Let's Let's readdress this. Now, sometimes the, the other partner will be okay with that, but what do you do if, if they're absolutely not okay with it and they want to finish talking about it right there? How's a good way to get through that? So if the, it's a great question. So if the, if the person who is feeling the need to have space, uh, if the person truly needs that space because they are not, he or she is not able to uh, be the best partner he or she can be in that moment, then I think you need to stick to it. And one way to stick to it is to turn to the other person and say, uh, hey, I get it that you really want to solve this now, you really want to talk about this now, but I'm not in an emotional state where I can give it the energy and the attention that it needs. This sounds really important. And I want to give it my all, and I don't have my all now. I need this break, and I think I think that's what you do. Oh, that's that's great information, great specific advice to to deal with that. Yeah. My question also has to do with dealing, or I guess taming taming a fight. Let's say a couple has been having an ongoing. Maybe maybe not so much an argument, but bickering ongoing about, let's just say, uh, we've been talking about taking the trash out. So taking the trash out. It's an ongoing argument. Maybe one person feels that they're not holding up their share of the chores, and so it's just really bothering somebody. What's the best way to address that if they just can't resolve the issue by either stepping away and talking about it later? Or what advice would you give for a couple that can't get a issue that they're having resolved successfully? 
so I, you know, I'm a therapist, and so I'm I'm biased in this regard. But I think if I think one indication that a couple would benefit from couples therapy is if they're having the same fight, the same argument over and over. If the same content issue is coming up over and over, I think that's that's a really great indication that they would benefit from couples therapy, because I would wager that in this situation. Uh, the issue really is not about the garbage. It's about something else. Uh, it's not about taking out the trash. It's about something else underlying. And and I think that the same argument coming up over and over is a symptom of un- potentially unresolved uh, attachment concerns uh, that that uh, that trigger this argument about this same content issue over and over. Mm. Now, when I say attachment issues. This is a this is a whole other you know this could be a, it, its whole uh, own podcast but mm-hmm. basically what I mean is that the uh, the primary relationships that we have with our uh, with our primary caregivers as children so with our with a mom or dad to a great extent we bring those relationships into our relationship with our adult attachment figures. And so very often we, uh, we are in the moment responding to uh, a conflict with all sorts of historical pressures and issues that come from childhood. And it's very hard to, uh, to identify them and understand them in the moment. There are some therapists that believe that uh, in any uh, current emotional disturbance, only 20% of it is about what's actually happening and 80% of it is about the past. Mm. And so it makes sense that if the uh, if that's the case, uh, and the same argument is coming up over and over again, it's it seems telling to uh, to maybe look at that eighty percent with the help of a therapist. Well, great. Well, thank you for that advice. I know our listeners will find that very helpful. Sure. Now it's time for our favorite part of the interview: the lasting love round. We'll ask you a series of questions, and you'll respond with great information to help set the foundation for a lasting relationship. We love it. Our listeners love it. So, Mark, are you ready to help us build lasting love? All right, let's do it. (laughs) What's one thing couples can do on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? Oh, that's easy. Okay. (laughs) Turn Turn towards one another. Uh, this is this is an idea uh, that throughout the day there are opportunities to connect with your partner. Your partner is uh, all of us are always asking for uh, making small bids for attention. So if you are um, uh, sitting in the living room together and your partner uh, peeks his or her head out the window and says, "Oh, look at that beautiful sunset," you have three choices. You can uh, uh, turn away, which would be to say, uh, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, and keep your head buried in your iPad. You could turn against, which would be to say, will you stop interrupting me when I'm, uh, when I'm uh, playing uh, Angry Birds? <laughs> and then the third would be turning towards, which would be to say, oh, yeah, it reminds me of that time we took that drive to New Mexico. It's a beautiful sunset. Very simple thing. But turning towards is really important, and uh, that, that would be my number one. Love it. That's great advice. Is there a book or resource you could recommend for couples? 
John Gottman and Nan Silver's The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. I think it outlines a lot of the things I've talked about today. I think it's a great book. Awesome. Yes, it's uh, one that's very highly recommended. Yeah, I bet. I bet. We'll have that on your show notes page on idpodcast.com, and our listeners know to go there to find that awesome recommendation. We're getting married this year. Is there any advice you would give engaged couples or newlyweds? Yeah. Um, so, so a couple of things. I think, um, I think one thing is to prepare, prepare for the inevitable. And by that, I mean, uh, at some point, a couple gets out of the honeymoon stage, out of the honeymoon phase, which is sometimes um, called limerence. And this is where, you know, your partner can do no wrong. And no matter what he or she does, you are, um, you know, mad, madly and deeply uh, in love and, and constantly moved. And that's, you know, that, that, that doesn't really last. Uh, eventually what happens is a relationship moves from, from there to uh, a phase of uh, loving attachment where you have uh, uh lots of uh, wonderful thoughts and love and kindness, but it's not quite as unconditional. Your partner can upset you sometimes. Uh, your partner can disappoint you sometimes. And that is where I think the real uh, uh, loving nature of a relationship can blossom because that's, that's where uh, you, can, you can last for a lifetime if you are, uh, if you don't misinterpret that move from from limerence to loving attachment uh, as a as a normal uh, a normal part of development, and the way to continue to to foster the love is to do some of the things we talked about earlier, is to uh, turn towards, is to talk about talking, is to share your disappointments rather than keeping them inside. Uh, is to avoid being overcritical and uh, find ways to share what you're feeling rather than uh, rather than make judgments about your partner. So I think prepare for that shift uh, would be the the advice I would give any uh, any engaged uh, uh, couple or newlywed that it's it's going to happen for every couple, and it's not a it's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing, and I think uh, it's it's where. Uh, you can make or break a relationship and you can last a lifetime in that stage of loving attachment. Well, that's great advice. And it's it's almost like the saying, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So really preparing for the inevitable and planning and uh, that will really help help with the relationship. And that's some great advice. Wonderful. Well, you've given us and our listeners so many great pieces of information, but if you could boil it down to just one thing for a successful relationship, what would it be? I think to understand that your your partner uh, wants and needs to be loved as much as as much as you do, and we're all doing the best we can. But sometimes we bring to the table uh, enough enough background uh, and enough family of origin differences that uh, even though we're we're really working hard at, at playing the game, uh, one person might be playing chess and the other might be playing tennis, 
and that's not going to work. And so I don't know if you've, uh, if you or your listeners have heard of um, this idea of the, the five different love languages. Mm. Yeah, yep. read the book. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. But if you can, you know, there's words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time together, physical touch. We all respond to love in different ways, and we all um, identify uh, a, a successful loving relationship in different ways. And so learning how, learning what your partner's love language is, I think is, is probably the most important thing you can do for your relationship. Well, that's great. Well, that's a great book. We've recommended that to our listeners. Well, a lot of experts have, and I think it brings so much valuable information to our listeners. So We've really enjoyed hearing all the advice you've given us and our listeners today. So let's finish by having you tell our listeners where they can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. Sure. Uh, best thing to do is just go to eugenetherapy.com, and um, sure, give us a call. Uh, and uh, thanks so much for, for having us today on the show, Sarah and Chase. Well, thank you. And our listeners can find all the information and links of today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives. And again, thank you so much for your generous knowledge and for taking the time to come on our show today. Sure thing. Best of luck to the two of you. Are you interested in learning five ways to improve your relationship on a daily basis? How about five tips for engaged couples or newlyweds? This information and more is our free gift to you when you go to idopodcast.com and subscribe to our mailing list. Thank you so much for joining us today on I Do Podcast. Head on over to idopodcast.com for full recaps of every show, relationship resources, tips, and advice. Your path to a successful and lasting relationship awaits you. Are you ready to create lasting love? You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.